2: Figure Lending, LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824, Terms and Conditions Apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org.
0: Welcome to How to Survive, the show that teaches you how to survive the stuff that can kill you, like wasp's
3: nests, or El Nino, or narcissistic parents,
0: and the stuff that just makes you wish you were dead,
3: like MRI tubes, or being pantsed, or discount hookers. (laughs)
0: I think you meant sex workers.
3: Uh, see, I knew, I knew, I <laughs> was gonna get. I knew, I knew I was gonna get well. Actually, on my own intro, the only way to solve this is the theme, the theme song. song. Welcome to How to Survive with Danielle and Christine. I am Danielle. It's me, Christine. Oh, yeah. We talked about how we don't have to say that because it's in the opening credits yeah. and then we did it again. We just
0: repeat ourselves. Oh, well.
3: How are you? I'm here. We've had another week of um, show surgeries.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, tell, walk us through what happened. Okay. So, I had something... Um on Monday called an intercept procedure.
3: Oh, that's when um, you take the red pill instead of the yeah. blue pill, and
0: people and, are walking on the ceiling. And you still don't understand what happens right. in the movie. Yeah. And even if you read explainers, it doesn't
3: make sense. <laughs> Speaking of that, someone needs to talk to me about Dead Ringers, the TV show I'm very confused. Okay.
0: I've, only, I've only watched the first episode, but oh. I'm happy to talk to you about okay. it. Um, I watched it last night. So, it's also called a, an ablation. Yes, and it was for my back pain that's been pretty severe for the last I don't know three months, six years. It feels like forever. <laughs> After my knee surgery, you know, I had that ski accident. Yeah, and then my knee got torn, and then they fixed that. But then my back was like, "Me too." Uh, #Hashtag Me Too. Yep. Mm-hmm. See backs. Also, we've all suffered in the Me Too. Movement. Not all backs. <laughs> <laughs> And so, the way this procedure works is you go under full anesthesia. Oh. Yeah, I didn't know that was going to happen. I thought it was going to be local, but nope. And then they make two incisions in your back. Wow. And then they go in with a tool mm-hmm. and burn something. <laughs> That they, they, they kill the nerves. Right. Jimmy has had similar things done, yeah. Okay. So, Not to his back, but yes. So they kill the nerves so that you don't feel that pain anymore. And can they do that in my brain? Yeah, I think that's called a lobotomy.
3: Yeah, I think that was uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It's basically that.
0: Yeah, you can, you can do that. So that's what I did on Monday. And he said it's either going to be incredibly painful afterward Uh and you're going to be in a lot of pain it's going to be awful or it's not going to be that bad and i was like of course it's going to be the first Mm -hmm. option because it's me but it wasn't oh good so it hasn't been that bad um i've just been really tired and one of the worst things weirdly has been my throat has been really sore because of you know they put the tube down your throat and so i've just been like hey guys can you go get me another ginger ale like Right. Uh, that's been really so. It's still a little froggy, but it's a lot better now.
3: Okay. But, and are, is the family treating you well? Waiting on you hand and foot. I hope
0: everybody's being pretty nice to me. Good overall. Overall, good. And
1: so you should tell them you have a surgery like this every week. So yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Just go away for an hour, like go
3: read a book somewhere and come back. Oh, mommy had a surgery. I just
0: had. I had to have my back <laughs> surgery again. I have to do it once a week, and then for the next four to five days. I just have to be treated like a queen.
3: (laughs) So are you um,
0: like, does it hurt to walk? No, it's I think it works. I mean, I think it's good. It's just hard for me to tell because it's sore from the procedure. Right. So I don't think I'll really know for a couple more days. That's right. When it's not sore anymore. Yeah.
3: Well, that's great. Yeah. I'm glad you weren't in because I know you experience pain on a different level. I get it at an 11. You do? Yes. My knee has been driving me crazy. And long story short, I had to have an MRI. So, you know, I go into the MRI tube. Yeah. And the nurse says... (laughs) Remember
1: your tweet.
3: Okay, I already tweeted about this, so I'm kind of stealing from myself. But the nurse said, what kind of music would you like to listen to? Okay, yeah. And I said classical. Yes, And she heard slow (laughs) R&B fuck
0: jams. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, what kind of music do you want to hear? I'm going to play what I like. It was the filthiest music <laughs> I've ever heard
3: in my life. Uh, I mean, uh, these weren't metaphors. This was like, and my dick's gonna be sucked, and your vagina's gonna be cold, and the uh, fucking fucking suck sucky sucky fuck. fuck. Why is icy? her vagina cold? There was something about icy dick or icy vagina or some pussy or something icy pussy. I don't know. So it was so funny. And but the very first song I, before the fuck yeah. jam started, it was the Michael Jackson song. You are not alone. Uh, And I'm like, this is the creepiest fucking song to hear when you're stuck in a tube. Yes. (laughs) Like Michael Jackson telling you
0: he is here with you (laughs) in this confined space. Uh, Pass, pass, hard pass. Yeah, you got to hear every Michael Jackson song uh, through a new lens now.
3: And I was like, do I squeeze the thing to tell them they gave me the the wrong music? Yeah. Yeah, so that was.
1: Wow. Yeah. I was at a. I don't think I talked about in the show. I was at a baseball game, and there was a like a softball game, and there was a speaker behind us, like uh-huh. a game going on. They were playing R. Kelly's uh, Jesus, whatever that. His, one of his sexy songs. I did songs. it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. yes. I, I like Key it, the, the same thing, same thing. Just all these really the freaking explicit weekend. songs, yeah. and I'm like. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. There are kids everywhere, I know. and it's just fuck this. Fuck, this. I'm like this is insane, and it just got worse every next song.
3: I know it's 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 interesting. It's wild. I mean, I wasn't, of course, offended. I was just, thought uh, it was funny. I walked but right I over w- there. I was, g- <laughs> I was gonna tell the nurse like, just so you know, you put in the wrong music for the next person who's gonna get mad because everyone gets mad at everything now. Yeah. But th- then I didn't see her, so I, I. I guess next person, and I'm sure imagine? it's old people having, you know, yeah. MRIs on their knees. Yeah. So. And, you know. And people our age. And people our age. I was telling Garen before we started that um, Oliver and I have officially run out of TV shows to watch, so we're watching the Golden Girls this morning. Nice. And. Um, you know, they're they're in their schmatzes, and they're. Mm-hmm. I go, Oliver. They're my age. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what my age was back then. Like you're. You were retired, and yeah. you were living with two other old ladies, three other old ladies, yeah. and you wore the ugliest clothes that have ever <laughs> yeah. been produced. But they had fun. They had so much fun. So, I don't know. Looks kind of nice. It does look kind of nice, actually. It's just, you know, how they were portrayed. And... But were they supposed to be our age, or so were they supposed we've to be older? we talked about this before. I think... Karen will look it up. It, the show was on for a long time. Yeah. I think... Rue McClanahan was in her forties when it started. Her real age, but was
0: she playing 40s? I don't
3: know. I they don't really say their ages on okay, the show. So okay. I don't know. I even as a kid, I was like, are they sixty? Are they eighty? I had no idea. Yeah.
0: I always just assumed that they were supposed to be, you know, in their sixties, but it's kind of ridiculous that they were I don't think they were though when it younger. started. Yeah. So okay. Oh, I got some
1: yeah. intel. Blanche between on the show, Blanche was between fifty three and sixty as the show progressed.
3: Wait, her her the actress yeah, or the character? the character, the character, the character. Yeah, fifty three and sixty. Okay.
1: Uh, Dorothy was fifty four to sixty one. Rose. Wait, wait,
3: wait. That doesn't make any sense. Oh yeah, yeah, it does. Okay, that's
1: their ages throughout the God, show. I got it. I, so I, at no, the I, end of the show, she was sixty one. Uh, Rose fifty five to sixty two. Sophia eighty to eighty five. Sophia was the youngest one. I don't know if you
0: guys know. No, <laughs> <What>? common knowledge. <laughs> Siobhan's the youngest sibling.
3: What? I know, I still am confused by that. Mm. Is that... It's on the website. Oh, it is? It's on the website? It's on the
0: HBO website, I checked. Uh,
3: By the way... (laughs) That's not a spoiler. We haven't watched it yet. Okay, well, we're not gonna talk about it anyway. Do we have anything else to talk about before we get into today's... um,
1: hmm. Do you want to uh, recount what my mom shared with us? Yes,
3: yes, 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 yes.
1: So um, I got a call from my mom, and she's like, did you guys talk about Succession? on your show and i was like yeah we got in trouble or something because we spoiled something or whatever and she's like oh because i was just watching qvc and isaac Mizrahi, famous fashion designer yes said <laughs> he said yeah i was listening to this hilarious podcast and they were the host danielle was talking about succession and she's so funny it was so funny i'm, I'm paraphrasing but uh So we're in the midst of trying to find out if indeed
3: it's this show. It's this show. I'm guessing it's not. But the funny, the other funny thing is that when Karen tweeted this, not sorry, texted this to us, I read QVC as CVS. (laughs) So I thought your mother overheard Isaac Mizrahi in a CVS talking about a podcast. Oh my God. And I was like, how, well, I can't even picture Isaac Mizrahi in a CVS. Oh my God, I can. Well, now like I can. Just going nuts. Just going nuts. Oh my God, there's so many things. Oh my God, I love this place. What is this place? Oh can God, anyone everything. shop here?
0: They have everything here. Like just him being a membership.
3: Can the, you just buy whatever you want here? So the <laughs> reason why this would be mean so much to Christine and I is that when we were on The Dish, one of the things we covered was QVC. And one of the yes. things we covered was... Was this my clip? It might have been my clip. that I think it was. I don't remember. It was... Isaac Mizrahi has a show on Q- QVC, obviously. And he and this woman, I don't know her name, but I'm sure she's still on with him. Wasn't she like blonde, blonde, big blonde hair? Like short, but yeah. big hair. Big hair. Um, And they... <laughs> they're just like two yentas going at it, talking about... um. Accessories. How, how accessories. And and, he, and she said something about coffee. And he was like, oh, now I want a coffee. I something. love coffee. Now, now I want a cappuccino. But anyway, they t- had this thing about how it's going to be a belty year. Yeah. It's a belty year. It's a belty year. It's going to be a belty <laughs> year. And we just, that was our favorite thing. And we were just quoted all the time. Yeah. Because it's going to be a belty We've year. We've never stopped. We've never stopped. It's a
0: belty year, you know, after all. I think it was a belty year, too. Because... Jesse
3: did used to wear belts a lot over like sweaters and stuff. So yeah. I guess it was a belty it year. It really
0: was. That was a very belty year yeah. back in, I don't know what year that was, 2011. Yeah. It's never
3: a belty year for me because I have no torso, so I can't really wear belts. <laughs>
0: belts are tough. They
3: just go under my boobs.
0: Um, well, that can be another kind of look. It's a different look. It's a different yeah. kind of belty year. Actually,
3: I think that was a look for a while, wearing your belt way up
0: high. Remember when people wore jeans under their dresses? My mother did yeah that was a thing but
3: wait what what era are you talking about
0: same-ish
3: 70s mid
0: 2000s oh, oh okay I don't then yeah
3: that was but a thing my mother did that um, in the like late 70s it came or back.
0: 80s it came back well I just sure hope he is talking about our show because that would be so fun oh my fun. god it would be
3: just such a like full circle oh my god and then what if we got him on I would <sighs> I, I would, would die. die I would die yeah he's so much fun oh my god I'd have a feeling he doesn't take himself too seriously, but I could be wrong. I hope not. I mean, it's going to be a belt
1: a year after all.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, all you have—if he does, you have to wear a belt. Oh
1: my god, I'll wear uh, every belt I have. I think we all should wear an oversized belt.
0: Yes, have them, so I have I a re- I have a real big one. So. Oh yeah, I have those like broad. Yeah. They're very
3: tight, though. They're like elastic. You know those belts? They're like elastic. An elastic belt. Well, it's like um. It's like stretch material. It's not elastic. Okay. But it's like stretch material. Then it just clicks together.
0: Oh wow! In the front.
3: Does that make any sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Occasionally, I'll try a belt once a decade. But okay, okay. this might be your year. <sighs> it's about to <zero>. year. Um, <laughs> are we, are we ready to get into today's topic? Can yes, we... let's do it. Okay, today we are going to learn how to survive narcissistic parents, 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 Ooh, parents. Okay.
0: Heavy duty.
3: What is narcissism? A narcissistic personality disorder is one of 10 personality disorders and gets included in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual that we've talked about before yep. as a diagnosed mental health condition. The, character, the characteristics associated with narcissistic personality disorder include a severe lack of empathy for others, a sense of self-importance and grandiosity, a strong desire to be admired and to feel superior to others. Now, those things I kind of all assumed... Mm-hmm. But these are signs that your parent might be a narcissist. And some of these things actually sort of surprised me. Okay. Boasting about your achievements to others without offering you emotional support. So they're telling everyone else, my kid is so amazing, but then behind closed doors, they're not, because you're a reflection of them. So they're always bragging about you. It's not that they're, you know what I mean? Like they are completely self involved, but their self includes you. Got
0: it. You're a reflection of them. Yes. Demonstrating childish
3: or selfish behavior constantly needing the spotlight on them your mother or father loves to be the center of attention and only wants the conversation to be about them when you don't do what your mother or father wants you to do they make you feel incredibly guilty they do anything to be in control and are ruthless and unforgiving in their desire to be on top being absent from significant life events blaming others for your problems when the issues stem from a lack of parental love and support. Being harsh and opinionated behind closed doors, but is always pleasant and puts up a front when other people are around. Failing to provide emotional nurturing and support to you. Using you for their personal gain and motivation. Exhibiting severe mood swings and volatile behavior. Showing signs of annoyance and irritability when you need their time and attention. Okay. Growing up with narcissistic parents. If you grew up in an environment where one or both parents display narcissistic tendencies, your self-esteem and emotional well-being were likely severely impacted. There is also the chance that you may experience many problems in your life without re- realizing the root cause of your issues. The narcissistic parent. Any negative traits within the narcissist often get projected outwards to protect their fragile ego. When you receive a negative jibe or comment from your narcissistic parent, it often reflects what they loathe within themselves. Mm. Thus, in the parent-child dynamic, the parent will be possessive, control their child's life entirely, and view their children as an extension of them. Having a parent with narcissistic personality disorder can severely affect your mental health and well-being. The narcissistic parent typically wears a mask of perfection that they present to the world. Such parents get viewed as loving and nurturing in public, but when no one is around, they scream, rage, and criticize. Narcissists view people as an extension of them. One of the classical features of narcissism is that narcissists tend to believe that people are extensions of themselves. Shame and humiliation. Often narcissistic parents are very possessive over their children and can feel profoundly threatened when the child begins to develop a sense of independence away from them. Children of narcissistic parents usually grow up with low self-esteem and an eroded sense of self Unlike other children, the children, the child who grew up with the narcissistic parents will typically experience a sense of shame and humiliation and a stunt in their mental and emotional development. So I just sort of thought it meant like you're obsessed with yourself. I didn't realize it meant like also that um, you're like, I thought it would be like you're not around for your kid, but this is like you're yeah. overly involved with in your yeah. kids in some ways and completely neglectful of them. And it others. makes
0: me think of all the parents who like are at sporting events yep. like screaming at their children until their children are crying because they're right. not doing a good enough job. But you know, it's often dads because I'm at a lot of boys sporting events
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm thinking about how it's like, oh, this isn't even about your kid. Right. Like this is this is about you. You're embarrassed or you're Yeah. Yeah. Like you think you're gonna sort of live vicariously through mm-hmm. their like what didn't happen for you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That feels very much like what you're describing.
1: It's, it's also interesting that 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 they're seeing these kids as a reflection of themselves. But look at what that behavior makes them appear as to other people. Yeah. Yeah. It completely. Dismantles right. What they're trying to do. Exactly. They didn't realize they're doing they're it. They're not. It's
3: they're not aware of it. Horrible. Seven ways to, to survive a narcissist. Seven ways to survive a narcissistic parent. Surviving is the operative word when dealing with a narcissistic parent. To heal from narcissistic abuse, you need to understand how such abuse manifests and what you can do to protect your mental health in the process. Acceptance. Your narcissistic parent may never change their ways. And one of the first steps to recovery is accepting this truth, which can seem challenging at first. According to mental health professionals, accepting who narcissists are will help alleviate any anxiety for the victims. It would help if you remember that, that any harsh words or accusations from your parent are projections and do not say anything about you or your character. Inherently, such projections are how narcissists, narcissists feel about themselves. Recognize and resist gaslighting attempts. Another prevalent symptom of narcissism is gaslighting. Sadly, many narcissistic parents gaslight their children to make them feel delusioned or crazy.
2: Jeez.
0: Yeah.
3: Practice compassion. It may sound counterintuitive to offer compassion to a narcissist, but you must understand that although they may never show it, it is highly likely that the narcissistic parent does care about you deep down. Moreover, practicing self-compassion is just as important, if not more so when dealing with a narcissistic parent. After enduring a challenging upbringing that likely lacked compassion, practicing it may seem complicated, but not impossible. Putting your needs first. Children of narcissistic parents are taught to put their parents' needs before their own, which creates a toxic dynamic where the child-turned-adult continues this pattern throughout their lives. People must know that it's okay to put their needs ahead of others and give themselves adequate time to recover from their childhoods. Cultivate boundaries. Narcissists often test your boundaries to see if you can get away with it which can be immensely frustrating for those trying to put some healthy boundaries in place and protect themselves from the narcissist's whims. Breaking the boundaries. Your narcissistic parent may turn up at your house unannounced or violate any family rules you may have in place to get a reaction from you. Narcissists often use provocative behaviors and phrases to ignite drama and conflict, such as name-calling, favoritism, and other attention-seeking behaviors. The trick is to reinforce your boundaries and follow through on any consequences when these boundaries get violated you must be clear and firm about what you are willing to accept and may need to ask your narcissistic parent to leave if they continue their bad behavior five find a support system you can rely on having a support group in place can be helpful especially for those who have children and endured narcissistic abuse growing up research shows that children of narcissistic parents often experience difficulty validating their children so it could okay. pass along yeah. because they don't have that. They don't experience. have a good model. Yeah, leaning on a support network. Thus, cultivating support networks with other survivors of narcissistic abuse can help you work through any difficulties while gaining support and encouragement from people who understand your experience. Six. Build up your self esteem and confidence. After years of narcissistic abuse from your mother or father, it may be no surprise that you'll likely suffer from low self esteem and mm-hmm. self worth. Mm-hmm. Indeed, seeking events and activities that increase your confidence while developing your skill set will give you the booster to feel better in yourself. I just realized I just had a flash of Donald Trump Jr. in my head.
0: Well, and I'm also just thinking what you said about how they do they do care sort of they deeply, you know, or deep down. But like they're still only capable of caring as much as they care, which is less than the standard person because they are lacking in those they they're lacking in sort of that empathy that well of like mm-hmm. com- care and compassion so it's like they care as much as they can't like right but it's not enough no you know they don't love others as much as right they're incapable of it they don't have that within right. them so you're still not as a child you're you're not getting the amount of love that's yeah. needed yeah Ugh, and That's there's so really no
3: changing them which is what's no, so sad there's no tr- there's really no
0: treatment right no. they're, they're mm-hmm. like sociopaths and yeah the personality disorders are sort of resistant to treatment right, right? so yep. um
3: seven consider the prospect of getting professional help growing up with a narcissistic parent can cause many complications in later life perhaps a person experiences chronic relationship issues or is always angry confused or stressed out for no plausible reason Explosions of anger with family and friends might be a common theme for survivor, survivors of narcissistic abuse. Additionally, substance abuse and depression can get added <coughs> Don Jr., can get added to the litany of complications, uh, yet people often do not know what is causing them to react this way. Childhood trauma: Such um, reactions are prevalent in childhood trauma. Children who suffered at the hands of a narcissist would have internalized their experiences as a way of coping. So, uh, these coping mechanisms can lead to severe mental health conditions, such as post-traumatic stress disorder. Fortunately, regardless of the many implications of narcissistic abuse, recovery is possible. Are you, I know that's sort of quick, but are you ready for a story? Yeah, I love stories. Okay, so, let me just tell you that this comes from a website, I think, it's called Narcissistic Family
0: Files. Oh, so there are, you know, I would watch that show, right? A&E, on A&E. a on yeah. A&E, well, yeah, whatever, sh- whatever channel Hoarders is on. Yeah. Um,
3: well, arts and entertainment, isn't exactly, <laughs> so yes. just? Um, I don't know if there are entire websites dedicated. To people separating from their narcissistic parents. Like going no contact? Yes. Yeah, because I mean. Because it's such a traumatic, horrible thing. Uh, so this is one story. I have edited it.
0: Okay. Um, you added some jokes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I did actually kind of leave in the more sort of. There's some there's some darker. There's some gunplay okay. that I left out. Okay. Um, but. <laughs> okay. Light gunplay. Some light gunplay. No one was killed. Helen's troubles with her narcissistic mother started uh, and there's, there's there's just like daughters of narcissists, you know, daughters of yeah. narcissistic mothers, sons of narcissistic wow. fathers. Like it's a it's a cottage industry.
0: It's not like, yeah, it's not like Daughters of the American Revolution. Where it's you're like, like that, but it's yeah, but it's like a group you don't want to be right. In. It's not as like, exclusive. You're like, this isn't the group I want right. to join. I don't know which one of those is worse to be honest. I, yeah, yeah, really. that's
3: true. <laughs> Helen's troubles with her narcissistic mother started long before she could talk. As an infant, she suffered an undetected neonatal stroke. Oh, I know. Honey. Helen's mother, Maureen, said she was a colicky baby who was acting out to spite her. Oh, shit. (laughs) I mean, at the drop. Oh, shit. It wasn't until Helen lost her vision and partial facial muscle function at seven years old that an MRI identified her early stroke. Following her loss of vision, which she eventually regained, Helen endured over two dozen surgeries, my mother viewed my problems as competition, so she got sick a lot for attention. Oh Jesus, Munchausen, right? Uh, she never talked about my health or asked me how I was doing. Mm-hmm. At the dinner table one night, when Helen and her sisters and father were talking oh, at the dinner table one night, when Helen and her sisters and father were talking, Maureen suddenly slipped from her chair and collapsed onto the floor, apparently unconscious. Shocked and concerned, her family rushed to her side and picked up the phone to call 911, at which time Maureen regained consciousness. The same scenario played out a few more times at the dinner table. If the conversation shifted away from
0: Maureen, she would dramatically drop to the floor, eliciting concern from her family. This is the mom? Yes. Oh, my God. So her mom is like faking passing out? Uh Uh-huh. The conversation's not about her. She just falls. Imagine if that's your mom. Oh, my God. I'm just like. Imagine your life. (laughs) I know. I know. People have parents like this. I know. And I mean, we've all talked about. Our parents yes. and our, our experiences. But come on, guys. No, this is, this
3: this is, is just this is heavy duty. Wow. Helen said, pretty soon we knew mom's fainting spells were more ploys for attention. After that, we ignored her and talked over it. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love that. She continued to fall sometimes. She'd lie there for a bit and then pretend to wake up in confusion. <laughs> oh, my God. Charming on the outside. In their community, Maureen couldn't do more for other. In their community, Maureen couldn't do enough for other families. Everyone loved her. Helen said Uh she remembered everyone's birthday and baked them a cake. She was a Girl Scout leader. She'd take the girls on hikes and sew their uniforms. All of my friends loved her. Uh No one noticed that my sisters and I weren't on the hikes. Wow. We never got birthday cakes. Wow. Helen said one of the things that saved her growing up was spending time with her grandparents. She said her paternal grandfather would intervene on her behalf when her mother lost her temper. As a young adult, Helen interviewed members of her mother's family to try to figure her out. It was immensely helpful to talk with them, she said. I realized my mother's problems existed from a very young age, that it wasn't my fault. These days, Helen has firm boundaries with her narcissistic mother and a 3,000-mile buffer. She protects herself and her 22-year-old daughter, but, she says, her mother hasn't changed much. Helen described her most recent visit with Maureen back in Georgia. So this is Helen talking. Mm -hmm. My daughter is very pretty and often gets looks. We took my mother out for dinner one night, and some young men at a nearby table noticed my daughter. They were smiling and trying to catch her eye, something my daughter dislikes and tried to ignore. On the car ride after dinner, Maureen would not stop chuckling. Maureen, of course, is... Helen's mother yeah. the grandmother. Helen said, "Mom had a familiar smug look on her face. When I finally asked her what she was laughing about, she grinned and said, I've still got it, the oh sex appeal." Oh my god. "Did you see those good men look those good-looking men staring at me?" Helen continued. "Wow. My mother is almost 80 <sighs> and wow. has facial paralysis and one eye sewn shut."
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm not laughing. Then. No, it's funny. It's just <laughs> <laughs> Helen said, Maureen. Maureen. said, I've
3: worked hard to have a workable relationship with my mother, not a loving one. She doesn't have a clue what, it, what that is. I've never had a single moment of maternal affection from her.
0: Oh.
3: Yeah, that was wow. poor Helen. Um, and that's a lot of people yeah. having a
0: situation like
3: that. Yeah, a lot. It's terrible. But it sounds like this woman might at least have developed some distance and a sense yeah, of humor about yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, I think you <laughs> have. got it. Oh <laughs> my God. So oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> like she's on the, uh, what do you call it? The Margaret Atwood show. What's
1: her name?
0: The Tail. Tale. Oh, oh yeah, I yeah, still so yeah. <laughs> so got it, boys. Oh my God, yes. Oh, God. She's like Lucille Bluth. <laughs> yes. Here's a daughter. Go watch a Star War. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. I mean, I really feel a lot of compassion for anyone who's had that kind of parent yeah. or who continues to deal with that kind of parent. Anyone who's listening will put some resources in the newsletter for you yes. of places. And wow, I'm I'm just really floored by that story. I know. That was a great story. That's crazy. Um uh, and we'll put the link so if you want to read the whole story involving the gun, the light gunplay, the light gunplay. The light gunplay. Um, yeah. Now I'm just imagining her with it, holding a gun with the one eye so shut, and waving <laughs> in the air. I didn't even
2: think
3: about that. Isn't that
1: how she lost her
0: eye? No.
3: It basically, what happened was her parents were divorced, and I guess she had a restraining order. I, I'm I'm trying to just remember this. She had a restraining order against the dad or something, and the dad was bringing the kid back, bringing I guess Helen back or something, and Maureen shot the dad. And the dad fell on the lawn, um, hence breaking the restraining order. So she tried to sue him for breaking the restraining order because he was now on her property because wow. she shot him and he
0: fell over. I mean, <laughs> if Helen doesn't write a memoir, I don't I know. know what. I know. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. That was you're so very very welcome. And uh, we'll be right back with our guest. Right back. Welcome back to How to Survive with
3: Danielle and Christine. Christine, how was your break? It was delightful. Yeah, we just spent five minutes like a morning zoo team talking about cereals.
0: (laughs) Um, That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And um, now we all want cereal. I know. Now we all want cereal. So we're going to go around and everyone's going to list their favorite cereal. But first, I'm going to bring our guest in so that he can talk about his favorite cereal. Right. Kevin Maynard is here. He has written for many magazines and newspapers over the years and he's also been an ep for the real housewives of orange county i mean this is heavy duty uh credit here a little star right now yeah million dollar listing and yep so many more we can't list them yes but probably if you've watched a show on tv that's a reality show He's been
3: involved. He had his his thumb in that pie. So, Kevin, I don't know if you know this, but Chris and I used to write on The Dish, which was a sort of sister show to The Soup. So we watched Real Housewives of Orange County a lot. So, like, I know those characters very well. I mean, I don't know if the same people are still on. I did find out, Chris, that... Mm we are very excited about Real Housewives of New York because Jenna Lyons is, a, who's like a fashion icon awesome. to us, is joining. It doesn't premiere till July. Oh my god! I know. I was looking it up for you because you just had this surgery, and I was like, I'm going to send her a present that, like, maybe it'll. Yes. air soon, but it's
0: not till July. Do we know when in July? Because I think they did announce the date, but I don't remember. I need to be back from my Europe trip. Oh, sh- you can wear- watch it overseas now, but I won't. I won't. I want to be watching it when you're watching <laughs> oh, it, so, yeah, so yeah, that yeah, we can yeah. text each other. Yeah,
3: you know, yeah. like look what
0: Jenna's wearing. Yeah, of course she's not wearing a bra. Uh, no,
3: like I got to copy that. <laughs> look. never bought a never met a bra she liked. No, Mm-mm. I love that about
0: her. <laughs>
3: <laughs> anyway, so Kevin, in the first half of the show we talked about how to survive narcissistic parents. Oh. And now we're going to talk about just how to survive plain old crazy parents. Yes. So what is your story?
2: Um, Well uh, I'll preface by saying that I feel like I've never met anyone at like a cocktail party or a gathering or anyone who's not said my parents are crazy. Sure. But I always make a real connection with people whose parents are legit crazy. Because my parents... (laughs) It's complicated. My dad's not around anymore. Um, he, this is going to bring it way down. He overdosed on Crystal. Oh my God. Homeless. Oh yeah. my God. Um, he taught at UCLA and the New School, and he produced stuff for television and a movie that was at the Sundance Film Festival, but he lost it all. My mother is bipolar one. Oh my God. Uh, schizophrenic. And growing up,
0: <laughs> Wait a second. Did you grow up here in L.A.? We
2: moved from uh, glamorous Teaneck, New Jersey when I was 11 years old mm-hmm. to uh-huh. Los Angeles. And I just it's just what I knew. Yeah. You know, yeah. I didn't know otherwise. And so my parents are really unique. They're such a unique breed that there is a famous book. I'm very Pro therapy mental health. I'm sure you guys are. Yeah, too. For sure we are. And there's a book by a woman called named Kay Redfield Jameson. I think yes, it was. Yes, I know net, this. You know this yes, book? Yes, yeah. yes. So she wrote a book called An Unquiet Mind about her being bipolar and figuring that out while she wrote the book. Her favorite student at UCLA saw my parents. And when I became old enough, I went and saw her, sought her out. And she's like, oh my God, I always wanted to meet their kids, because I was so worried about how you they she, were you doing she
3: saw <laughs> She saw your parents clinically?
0: Yes. Okay. So her favorite student was became a therapist. A therapist. Yes. Got it. Got it. Okay. yes, so
2: like the queen of like mental health oh, and wow! talking about it, her prized student saw my parents. And your okay. parents
0: stumped her? Uh,
2: yes, and she was relieved that I was doing pretty okay. She was. Are you an
0: only child, or do you have siblings? I
2: have a sibling we're not super... Cl- I feel okay. like... When you're in a situation like my brother and I, where the parents are alternating literally between jail and mental hospitals, mm-hmm. you you either like bond, sure. which would have been really really nice, mm. or you like kind of mm-hmm. don't like he he's taken on the role of like third parent, and he kind of I don't want to use the word gaslight, but well, I guess it just did, but he he's always like, well, you choose to remember them that way, and I'm like, what other? Uh, here's
3: the um, court documents <laughs> that state I'm remembering <laughs> yes. correctly.
2: Yes. Yes, exactly.
0: I do think, though, that that some siblings, from a protective measure, need to remember it a different way. So that can be weird when you try to have a conversation with them. I'm not speaking completely from my <laughs> own experience, <kids, laughs> but they're like, oh, I didn't think it was that bad. And I'm like, okay, well, then we can't really talk about right.
2: this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It You know, um, as a kid, like, my here's the thing. It's not one way or the other, right? My parents are not evil. My sure. father... It is past tense, obviously, but but they loved us, and they're very smart. Mm-hmm. Um, but emotional warmth was not, like I saw the movie The Squid and the Whale and I kind of related a little bit. Like it was always sort of an intellectual contest. And when I was a little kid, my dad was passionate about movies. So we would mm-hmm. watch like and Costello movies and Disney movies and things like that. But we were also, I was like nine years old and I saw Triumph of the Will. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Satyricon, which was the first time I had ever seen gay sex. And mm-hmm. I was nine and I was like, <laughs> "There's was like an orgy. He just thought... You know, we should be exposed to everything, and he wasn't going to condescend to us, and we weren't going to pretend, well, I don't know, my mom did pretend there was a tooth fairy and an Easter bunny, sure, sure. But like, Mm -hmm. my dad, not so much. Like, we used to, he would get in trouble because we'd meet him in the city, and we'd go to Chinatown for dinner, and then we'd get ice cream, and we'd come home, and my mom would be like, well, what else did you do? Because it's late. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't supposed to say anything, but I was, again, under the age of 10, and I was like, well, then dad took us to night court. (laughs) And my mom was like, "What?" and I was like, "It was really interesting because there was like a pimp and a prostitute, Whoa. and they were talking about if the corner who it belonged to wow. and the proprietorship." Or I mean, I didn't use—I wasn't right. I, mean, I was—I <laughs> was, I was like nine. Nah, I didn't use that word, but I was just like fat. Like I kind of understood his enthusiasm for life. Like he traveled yeah. to Cuba and he—whoa—he loved, you know, music and art and and he taught at the New School. He was like uh-huh. a total intellectual, but. Maybe it wasn't really the age.
0: He was exposing <laughs> you to things that you were a little too young to maybe be exposed to. Even though he was, though treating he was you
2: like a peer rather mm, than a child. Yes, and then if I would write a like an essay or something for school or like do a diorama, or he was like, "Well, it's okay if you want to be glib and facile and soporific." And I'd be like, <laughs> "Wow, <laughs> wow, it's a
0: collage for a book <laughs> report. Like I'm just doing what." Ten year olds do oh right, my God. And,
2: and my mother would always be like, "Don't listen to him there, but my what happened was is they you know, so they just fought all the time, they just uh-huh. not physically, but just mm-hmm. yelling was mm-hmm. like a thing, like fights would start because someone would be upstairs, someone would be downstairs, and he would just yell to the one each mm-hmm. one another and and they wouldn't even remember what it was about because they just they just yelled, and I grew up with so much of that. I learned years later from a therapist about the difference between music and lyrics. Mm -hmm. Like you could say, I love you! Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it doesn't really resonate the way I love you does. And um, so from that point on, um, it was only going to other friends' houses, getting older, and then um, things also did uh, escalate.
3: Did Was your mom, um, like, diagnosed while you were a child?
2: No. I, well, I don't know. See, mm-hmm. because, th- again, they kind of kept this from me. Her mother kind of raised me. Her mother was amazing. Oh, good. Her, her mother was a single mom for years then married a guy. But she was, like, the loveliest person. And she would kind of intimate to me she was the first person i came out to when mm-hmm. i was you know in college but she was also the first person to kind of sort of try to share with me what my mother was going through mm-hmm. in the best way she could
3: that's very important we just talked about that in the first half about like this woman we had a story this woman talked to the relatives of her mother and found out like oh she was like this way before i was even uh, born like this is not a new thing it helps to talk to a relative.
2: Yeah, I mean, one of the things, so with my mom, she did all the mom things and, you know, read us bedtime stories and and I don't, warm's not the word, though. Like, my grandmother was really warm. Mm-hmm. But my mother would also do things like she would wake up at three in the morning and turn on all the lights. And mm. I'd be like, you know, I'm a kid, I'm in bed, and mm-hmm. I'd be like, Mom, uh-huh. like, come on. And she'd be like, I'm looking for something. And I'd, and I'd be like, well, can you do it later? Or why do you have the light on in my room? And then if you pushed her ever so slowly, she did this thing that I would call her exorcist voice. and I didn't Jesus. realize it was like a personality thing, but she'd be like, leave me alone. I'm going to do it. And I'd be like, yeah, keep, oh, keep the lights damn. on. <laughs> so um one time we went to a restaurant when my parents had gotten divorced because my dad was having lots of affairs and things like that. And um I came back to the table and I could tell she was revved up Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's in a very like exhilarating fun way but we went to a restaurant and she ordered the entire dessert cart Whoa! and I was like hey mom why don't we pick one or pick two and she was like no 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 I want a little bit of everything and I was like there's like 10 desserts and also (laughs) like Financially, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. You know? A lot of money, right? And everyone was kind of looking, and then my mom was passing them out to other people, and and it's uh, like it's this magical heightened. Yeah. And other people were loving it. Yeah, it's like she's so the most the,
0: fun person. So that's like the mania
3: part of the bipolar right Right.
2: but then I said to her I was like mom we don't want the whole dessert cart we can't pay for the whole dessert cart and you have to stop Mm -hmm. and then she would go leave me alone I want the dessert cart and everyone in the restaurant looks at you and you go yeah once again like all right yeah Uh and and then you feel like the weirdest person and just mortified for her but embarrassed yourself and like I, I really did not know another way. Sure. And,
3: and you're forced to be like the adult in the situation. Right? You're trying to monitor your mother and like keep her in check.
2: Yeah. And, and and then, but the paradox is like, when it came time to apply to colleges, my mother was on it, she made sure that I like did my essays mm-hmm. for the University mm-hmm. of California system. She like, in so many ways she was mm-hmm. there. But when they, and I thought when they split because they fought so much it would get better. Mm-hmm. It got worse. Why? Why do you think? I think in some, I mean, I was thrilled that they weren't together anymore right. because again, the screaming and the yelling. And yeah. my dad, it smashed a, a grandfather clock <sighs> at one point. He, um, uh, just volatile. And he made it clear that he loved us, but that he did not love her. And that mm-hmm. they got married out of college, and just he he was stuck, and mm-hmm. it was not fun. To, right? You, who wants to hear that?
3: No. He and, would actually verbalize that to uh, you,
2: kind of. And she was like even though she would fight with him and tell him to fuck off, she he um, she kind of worshipped the ground he walked oh, on and okay. it was really mm-hmm. weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when he left, um, when he left, she would just like stay in bed all day and I was like, this isn't good mm-hmm. and then she'd be up all night and then, you know, but like as parents, they gave me a lot. We traveled, We it's just because they didn't, Love each other or because she was like obsessed with him, and he didn't really give yeah. her the time of day or he made fun of her oh. it 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 was just a really weird charged environment, oh but sorry, yes, to so why they didn't I think in some weird way, even though I don't want two people who aren't in love to be together. And mm-hmm. I understood that at a young age. And I think my brother did too. They balanced each other yeah. out. Mm-hmm. And I don't think in the real world they were tolerated as well as when they were. Because ah. it, got, it got crazier. Yeah. Fr- beyond. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I went to visit friends in New York. It was right after college. And these were people. I went to UC Santa Cruz. And there were some people that lived in New York right after college that and I was thinking of moving there, and I did, but I went to visit them. And they asked about my parents, and I was like, "Ah, oh, they're crazy. We're like the go-betweens, all the things. And it kind of went up a notch because my brother was like, when are you coming home? And I was like, well, why? And he was like, well, just when are you coming home? And I was like, in like three days. And he was like, okay, all right, well, just call me when you get home. And I was like, well, w- w- uh- I'm talking to you now, what's right. going on? And he was like, well, you know, Dad t- tried to strangle Mom with a phone cord.
0: Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> Jesus. I was like... You're like, should I, I should
2: come now then, right? I, well, I I just, I was like, what do you... What and they you, were divorced? They were divorced, and I was like, what <laughs> why are you, were they in the same room? What are they talking about? Oh, because of the bills, and because of the, oh, they were still all over each other. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. God, I hope they were not having... <laughs> anyway, but I, they they saw each other all the time, but because of us, or right. for various mm-hmm. reasons, or or bills, or he had to collect things, or whatever. And I was like, Where, who are these people? Yeah. When did my life become an e true Hollywood story? <laughs> right. Like, w- w- what are we talking about? So, here? when
3: you work on the Housewives, you're like, Oh, this is nothing. Nothing.
2: <laughs> yeah. you got, you got no- you're not face. <laughs> you're not
0: face. <laughs>
2: yeah. Bravo shows, bunch man. Of, um, drinking broad. You're yeah. like, You got nothing. You're like, This isn't drama. <laughs> well, that's your narcissistic. I mean, this is. Yeah. I mean, you know, then he, he went to jail for that. Uh, yes. Uh Um, there was a restraining order against him. He wrote me a letter that my brother will never look at that. He sent to his lawyer and I was like, he has bought the farm and lost it. The letter started with basically he was charged for, um, well, uh, manslaughter what i don't know I mean, like it was, attempted murder it, it wasn't attempted murder somehow okay. it was but like attempted assault exactly something. it was really bad yeah. and um he uh he there was a restraining order he was in jail we went to visit him in jail and he said it was going to be fascinating because he's going to write about it i was like this is not wow not, <laughs> this is not how you should be taking on. this yeah and then he was also arrested for possession of methamphetamines and i was like okay Doing the math, uh-huh. like he's skinny, he's missing teeth. I don't know about this shit. Right. I mean, I, I took. And rush are you rooms an, are in you college. an adult at this point? He, basically, you're in I'm college, like, or? yeah, okay. I'm like, yeah, I'm like twenty nineteen, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So so he uh, then he's then, looking
3: at all, at all as an intellectual inter uh, exercise. Oh I oh, went yeah. to jail. Oh, it was so fascinating. I could write about this. Right, and he he right.
2: said he wrote a letter to his lawyer, and I read the first paragraph, and I was like. Who, who did you, and he's like, and I sent it to a few colleagues, because he, ta- like I said, taught at UCLA, produced mm-hmm. a film that was at Sundance with Ashley Judd and Luke Perry, ironically called Normal Life. <laughs> um, he had done some really uh-huh. good yeah. things. And then he, he, I read the letter on my computer and it was like, it all started the morning. I was babysitting for this hooker that I sleep with. She's, a, she uh, she has a penis, but she has tits. So it's it's oh. cheaper to sleep with them because, and I was like, Whoa. You are, you are, you can't send this to anyone. You cannot, you cannot. And I just, I was trying to get my own career going um, when I got out of college. Like sure. the years are kind of. now but i was writing for magazines and newspapers i wrote a little bit for scripted tv i wrote for xena warrior prince oh my god and um i also worked full-time at the la gay and lesbian center like i was trying yeah yeah. you're starting your life start my life and my parents stuff was just uh, i was flooded i was overwhelmed so much yeah it did become mental hospital jail the weird part about all this is like you would think oh my God, my poor mom, sympathy for my mom, is she okay? Well, my mom, after she was strangled by my dad, hightailed it, went to Las Vegas, bought a bunch of wigs. <laughs> I wish I was making Jesus this Jesus Christ. Oh my God. We couldn't find her. Um, she was telling uh, people at hotels, that, uh, you know, she, she would call me and say, I can't talk, your father's listening. I said, He's in jail, mom, he's, he's got a restraining order, and he okay. can't. And she was like, Yeah, 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 but I'm staying in New York, New York, and they're giving me a deal because I told them what happened with your father. And I'm like, That's not true, right? They're not, what, what, I need to come get you, you need to come back home. We're yeah. worried you have it. Yeah. she was a public school teacher this whole time, Aww. but tenure, you know, yeah, and yeah. and, <laughs> and I, I know it doesn't say she, the weird part is she could be a very good teacher, she had a master's yeah. in education, but it was it was mortifying people were like where is she and we're like "Ah, well um we finally picked her up with my grandmother and i was trying to get her to uh the ucla's psych hospital which oh, yeah. was fantastic she wanted to go to lunch she figured out where we were going and in her manic state got out of the car mm-hmm. on the 405 oh my god with uh, f- all this traffic and hailed a cab I said to my grandmother, does she have any Jesus money? Christ.
3: Like, how? So. She got off of the freeway and hailed a cab on the freeway? Correct. <laughs> I can't even believe that. I, what? You can't even and hail keep, a cab in LA. First of all, I've never heard of anyone hailing a cab
0: in LA. I mean, that's <laughs> just. Maybe his mom's the only person that's ever done it. I mean, that's. I mean, it was was yeah. she on medication at any point, but then she'd stop taking it because she was like, I feel better, or would she not take it at all? And I assume at that point she probably wasn't medicated, but what, how was that going for her?
2: Right. I mean, here's the problem. There are a lot of people who are like, big pharma or people's personalities are, you know, damaged or whatever, but obviously here we're not talking about opioids, right? That's a very different thing. Mm-hmm. Like, this is... I'm a big believer in these drugs. They save people's lives. Mm -hmm. And we need to start thinking of mental illness the way we do physical illness. It's an illness. And it is a tricky combination of medications. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the problem. And the way I understand it now, kind of, and I have like some OCD anxiety. I take Cymbalta for that.
0: I take that, Um, too. Hey. (laughs) Cymbalta.
2: Oh, yeah. It works. Uh, It works if you work it. it, it. (laughs) the program, yeah. No, it, it, it really does. And I felt, you know, I do feel since the pandemic, especially more people are talking about mental health, which is great, but the problem is my mother was never transparent with us about what she was taking. I would go with her to psychiatrists they were usually appointed by the L.A. Unified School Board. They weren't great. They were mm. older dudes. There was one guy who would just sign a prescription for whatever. He would fall asleep while she was talking. I went, Jesus, and she'd be like, "I do believe that Richard and I will get back together." And I was like, "Are you Are you listening to this? Doesn't this require like we need to get her on something?" That and he was yeah. like, "Huh? Oh, what?" Uh, I'll and I was like, Shit. "Jesus." So it's she was on medications, whether they were right or wrong. I know. Currently she's on lithium. Mm-hmm. she has oh. taken Depakote, she has taken it's a combination, and I will say this like like anything if you're if if you're physically sick and you happen to be bipolar or have any of these problems, a virus or something is attacking your body and mm-hmm. bothering you it's right. going to throw you off whack with right. whatever other drug you're taking mm-hmm. I've oh. had a blocker number before, and i i 'm doing it again. Just so you're aware, too, yeah, the manic is hard to reason with, right? The what? manic is the, my mother's seven different people, mm-hmm, right? She's mm-hmm. Lonnie Anderson. She's Satan. Mm-hmm.
0: She's,
2: you know, like a who she's, you know, she's somebody from Designing Women. She's like, <laughs> I don't I don't know what I'm going to get. Yeah. But, you know, and, and it's also very hard to literally get her to get help, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She'll run out. Um, Jesus. The one other manic thing I will tell you that was, I think the most scarring, I know this is all a lot, (laughs) which is why when I saw your podcast, How to Survive, I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs)
3: Um,
2: The most damaging thing for me personally was one time when she had a manic episode, took her to her psychiatrist. The psychiatrist was like, you're right. I was like, this was, I actually liked this woman. There's been so many over the years. She's like, we need to get her to the hospital right away. And I was like, yeah. This is what happens. I try to do that, yeah. And she she gets out of the car, like wherever we are. I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. I can't go looking for her in a mall. I can't go. Right. I can't, like, it, it, I need help. Yeah. And she said, "Okay, I'll call the hospital." And she was like, "I'm going to see if the hospital can bring orderlies here to come get wow. her." And I was like, "Amazing."
3: Was this in front of your
2: mom? No. Okay. We put. Her, woman comes up. She's like, "Yeah, they can't do that." I was like. <sighs> so once again i take her it's not ucla because we're in the valley where she lives and we need to go somewhere quick yeah. so she doesn't wise up mm-hmm. she's screaming at me i'm not crazy i'm not crazy i'm not crazy i said fine you will tell the doctors here that and i will be wrong right okay good, good. so then let's just fine and then i want to go to lunch and i want to go shopping great fantastic we yeah. had a wait in the regular er there are people bleeding from the head oh. Um, At UCLA, they at least have the good sense to put you in triage. Um, My mother was just acting up. There's, like, people with broken arms. We wait an hour. We wait two hours. We wait three (sighs) hours. I'm like, I don't. She's like, I'm hungry. I get her something from the vending machine. She throws it on the floor. I keep going back to Mm -hmm. the people who work at the hospital. And I'm like, can we just get her admitted? Like, somewhere, I I think she's upsetting other people. And I, I I don't know how to control her much longer. Yeah. I turn around and my mother's gone. Right. Jesus. She's gone. I have her purse her cell phone because I can't. So this wasn't that long ago. This was like seven years ago. And I'm like, shit, shit. And I go running out into the street. She's on Ventura Boulevard. Oh, Screaming my God. at the top of her lungs. Help. Please help. Trying to fly down cars. My son is trying to kill me.
0: Oh, my God.
2: So <gasps> I <laughs> calm down. But she pulls over police. Oh, uh- And
0: And you're like, I am going to kill you now, (laughs) woman.
2: (laughs) She pulls over the police and says that, and she's in tears, and I'm holding her purse and whatever, and she's in the middle of the street crying. Mm. And they're looking at me, yeah. And they're like, "Let it, let me, let us see your hands." And I'm like, "Absolutely." I, I mean, right. <laughs> Like I have a firearm. Like I have, I have her purse. Yeah. With weird '80s things on it. It looks like something Bette Midler would have worn in one of her <laughs> movies. And like, and her keys with her loose keychain that says "Lorraine." I mean, do I look like I'm gonna? I'm packing, and and and, and, and you know, I'm like, I'm like just cross. Uh, yeah. Okay. And I was like, I have gotta calm down. I'm shaking. And so they come across the street. My mother goes to the other side of the street, which I was like... Away from them? Yes. And they're like, ma'am, please cross the street. And they're like, what did you do? What did you do to your mother? And I was like, no, I didn't do anything. My mother's bipolar. I'm trying to get her help. She's screaming the whole time. They're looking back and forth. They're looking back and forth. They don't know who to believe. Suddenly my mom's like, my children hate me. They want to kill me. They want to kill me. And she falls into a bush. Oh, my God. And the police are like... Oh, and they're going to go get her. And then she screams, did you see what he did? He uh, pushed me. He wow. pushed me into the bush. Wow. I am nowhere. From across nowhere. the street. Yeah, and I'm just crying. Um, and they're like, OK, OK, we got it. And they waited for the light change. They picked her up out of the bush. They brought her back across the street. And they said, look. It's going to be okay. We're going to help you. This is obviously mm-hmm. out of your control. And we're so sorry. This is our, our. And I was like, I don't know what to do. They handcuffed her.
3: Oh my God. She,
2: well, she was, yeah. she needed it. And yeah. they calmed her down, they put her in the car, and they said, listen, we are not taking her to jail. We can drive around to the front of the hospital and get her admitted immediately in a way that you can't. Oh. So all you have to do, I mean, you can stay, but if you don't want to stay and you want to go home, just call the hospital. She will be admitted to the Psyche ER. Mm-hmm you don't have to worry about it. And I was like, wow. Okay, but I I just remember sitting on the ground mm-hmm. uh by the, the parking structure of the hospital. The windows up on the police car. My mother's like this. Yeah. She's looking at me and sc- I can't hear what she's saying, but she's screaming bloody murder. Yeah. I'm in tears. I call my husband. Yeah. And I'm like um and I'm just like telling him, he was like, come home, come home, we'll make dinner. We'll, I love you. And I was like, I love you. I don't know what to, I couldn't drive. I went yeah. across the street to a Chili's.
3: And that's I just that's sat a low. There. That's an all time <laughs> yeah. low. The chilies it, is the saddest and if it's, part. If it's the chilies I'm thinking of, it's a like chilies to go. It's not even it's, it's a chilies too.
2: It's a it's a, you <laughs> this is right. bottom. It's next to a mini mall with a Starbucks and like a jinkies. Do you know where I am? Mean? I know jinkies. I sort of drew a line in the sand and mm. then I was about to <laughs> do a show for B E T naturally.
0: Sure, yeah. that makes sense.
2: <laughs> and um I was signing the papers, and my mother was like, "Your father's dead."
0: Oh, oh wow. my
2: god! And I, you know, kind of like that. And I was like, "What do? You, what?" She's like, "Yeah, the cops are coming to get him, and your brother's here." And I was like, "Okay." And I he got died there. At your house. At he your died. B- mom's house. Yeah, lying on a mattress. And she was like, "She was like, I think he must have just died in his sleep from natural cause." I was like,
3: "Oh." <laughs> Denial to the end.
2: I was like, he's 64. And, oh, that's And look cow. at this, mom. Look, it's a pipe. And look at this. And what's this? And my mm. brother, too, was kind of like, they didn't want to hear it. Mm. And my brother knew. He came with me to, to the jail. you know. Yeah. And then all I remember from that day was I couldn't even grieve for my dad. My mom went, throw out his mattress and take my dog to the groomers. <sighs> and I looked at her and I went. You're insane and I have put up with you (laughs) far too long and I will not do that. You will not tell me how to mourn my dad and you will give me a minute. Mm -hmm. And then in her best Mercedes McCambridge exorcist voice, she said, take the dog to the groomer." And I was- (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Wow. I did. You know, it just took me such a long time to figure out that none of this is normal. Right. Mm -hmm. And when people say their parents are crazy, and then I meet someone, and they they stump me, and I'm like, oh, wow. (laughs) Wow. And then I feel like, like, if you can top my crazy parents, not even top, but like, if that shared experience with somebody is really meaningful to me, because A, it's hard to open up about. Sure. And B, I just my heart goes out to people that have navigated their way into adulthood with some emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. and functioning relationships because it's hard.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, for our listeners, I would love to know how you did do that. I mean, Uh, what kind of steps did you take to um, be healthy and to have boundaries and to learn how to function as a healthy adult?
2: Um, still try (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's okay Uh, um, no I well you know uh, growing up in LA especially I don't know if this would have happened in Jersey um, uh, you kind of you know maybe it's hokey but you know because it's always like oh everyone in LA goes to therapy and drinks wheatgrass or whatever (laughs) like but you do find ways to become more Mm self-actualized because of where you are so as soon as I knew I was gay, I said to my parents, I want to go to therapy. As soon as I knew they were getting a divorce, I said I wanted to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. As soon as, so. Uh, That's great. Uh, yeah, I've never really lapsed mm-hmm. from therapy. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's important. It's also been really educational. More than once, I've been able to see therapists that have seen my parents.
3: Wow. Um,
2: one time, I guess, sort of off the record, but other right. times where I got one or the other parent to actually sign off yeah. on it which is what you usually have to do right.
3: Yeah, and thank you for being so open with us today. This <laughs> yes. was uh,
2: just uh,
3: an amazing story. I'm so glad you're okay. <laughs> you, you sound like the audience doesn't know this but you have a husband who makes you omelets on a <laughs> fucking Friday morning. Yes. I mean, and avocado toast. This, you know,
2: you're doing something, right? I'm I'm very grateful. I have to remember that too. I'm very grateful for what I have. I I think I've gotten to a place where my parent's story I realize is not mine, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I also realize it's pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, it is absolutely. Write so, thank- write that book, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> write it, Kevin. You've got, you've Come got on. enough. You've got enough material for no at least two memoirs. So thank, thank yes. you so
2: much for letting me. Absolutely. For having me. Yes.
0: Thank you for being on the show. Is a great story. I think a lot of our audience is going to connect to. Uh, yeah. Uh, not specifically your story, <laughs> but maybe. But some of Who it, knows? you know, we've got a lot of people out there who've been through stuff yeah. so well thank you
3: so much kevin <laughs> thank you. and we will be right back with what did we learn today christine yep are you ready to learn what we learned today please procedures 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 oh my it should be a new segment on our yes. show with a little theme song <laughs> yes we should get a theme song. procedures get mike henry on that too sweet yep uh narcissism is described as excessive interest in or admiration of oneself and one's physical appearance But it's so much more than that, as we've learned. Yeah. uh, Clinically, that is. Uh, Find a support group of other people who understand and have experiences with narcissistic parents. Narcissism is a seed for future mental health concerns. Therapy is a great tool to help deal with these experiences. Season 14 of Real Housewives of New York starts on July 16th. Oh, I'll be back by then. Okay. Okay. It's Bastille
0: Day plus two.
3: <laughs> That's how I always think That's of July 16th. That's how you always I've think of always
0: it. seen July 16th that, I'm really that way. really
3: excited. For Bastille Day? Well, that and yes. for Real Housewives of New York starring our friend Jenna Lyons.
0: Our best friend.
3: Our BFF.
0: Fan of the show. She listens every week. As does Isaac Mizrahi. They both do <laughs> in our dreams. Do we have
3: any um, plugs today or anything you want to say about subscribers or? I love our subscribers. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, I'm finding out every week that I have to cut more and more out of the episodes that end up in the Patreon only versions. So if you want to get the whole juicy goss or whatever we're talking about. Yeah, juicy goss. You can't shut us up. No, you can't. No, we will not be shut up. Um, then go on to PodHowToSurvive.com dot com and sign up. That's for a, one thing our you can Patreon, do. Yeah. Or just go
0: to Patreon. Go to write to Patreon. Yeah. Um, we love your letters. We yep. love all of uh, all of you deeply. Yes. Each and every one of you, we are in love with. And That's right. We would marry you if it wasn't illegal in the state of California. That's right. But if they make it legal, plural marriage. We're marrying you. So get ready.
3: Yeah, but only if you're at the top subscriber level. Exactly,
0: <laughs> Garen Large will level. Garen will marry any of you. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, come on, I let's do this. Going on, let's yeah. do it. <laughs> He's ready to marry anybody. I'll
1: oh, get that world record. Yeah, most marriages. Let's go.
3: All right. Well, until next time, I guess. Remain,
0: Remain calm. calm.